When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I had to go about it, write it out, and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. I had to fail, had to fall, just for what I did well. And there's some stories I can tell you. It's the Final Word Daily, day 42, the first semi-final at the Work Rest and Play. Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon with you for Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City. More extra, less ordinary. India into the final. Jeff, tell us how they did it in 30 seconds. India sequenced the batting to perfection. Rohit Sharma explosion off the top. Shubman Gill picks up the baton and then it's time for Virakoli to do what he does, uh, make hundreds and be told that he's amazing. He does that 50 of them he's got in one day cricket. Broke a record, you may not have heard of it. It's pretty niche. Shreyas Iyer makes a ton as well. Um, they end up with 397. That's going to be enough against New Zealand. And it is, even though there's a partnership of 181 between Daryl Mitchell and Kane Williamson. Mitchell makes 134, does his best, but he can't plonk them frequently enough into the stands, although he plonks plenty of them. Mohamed Shami ends up with seven wickets, even though India were scared for a minute they were going to lose that game. Don't know how. They won it by about 70 runs. They won it by exactly 70 runs. New Zealand all out in the 49th over for 327, despite the efforts of Daryl Mitchell, 134. What an individual performance it was. And yeah, just wanted to start at the end before we go back to the excitement of earlier with Coley and so on. Um, When Mitchell and Williamson's partnership ended, they still had 179 runs to get. You know what I mean? Like I think it was overdone and overplayed the extent to which India were in trouble. Um, Mm -hmm. they, They still needed to go at... 11s, I think, and, and truth told, Williamson and Latham getting out in the space of a couple of deliveries when they did with 19 overs to go was actually to the advantage of the Black Caps. Their only viable route to victory was Glenn Phillips getting on one because Daryl Mitchell was cramping up and so on and it didn't feel like he was going to do something Maxwellian. He's not that kind of player. Um, and it doesn't work and that's fine. But, you know, India really had this game won uh, when Shami nicked off both of the openers early on. That's when the bulk of the heavy lifting was done because it had to be mm. Conway and Ravindra laying a big platform and then giving some flexibility to the bigger hitters down the list. So, you know, they really have done this easy, even though there were moments, certainly on commentary, some of our um, colleagues, Jeff, who were working on the telly, uh, were seemingly uh, feeling, well, they were feeling the pinch. They thought India were going to get rolled there, but it was never really going to happen. No, I mean, I guess you have to pump it up, right? Your job is to pump it up. And there was there was a bit of that feeling. Right? There was that There's that feeling when there's a big partnership, it goes past 100, it goes past 150, and you think, well, hang on, these guys are batting really well here. Daryl Mitchell, he's He's striking, particularly those hits straight down the ground where he hit Shammy for sixes, he hit Boomer for sixes. He wasn't respecting the name um, mm. on the scoreboard. He was he was taking him on, not often, but just often enough. Um, and, and Williamson was doing what he does and, and ticking along at about a runner ball. And that is a great partnership, a great partnership in any one-day international except yep. one where you're chasing 400 because it's still not enough. You're still, <laughs> you're still not pushing quickly enough and they were still leaving a fair bit to do. And it's really at the point where Williamson 
Jackson tries to up the tempo. He plays that one pull shot that he edges over the keeper for six off Siraj, which must have come off the, the fattest part of the edge. It was the most middled top edge I've ever seen. It went over the sight screen behind the keeper's head, which was extraordinary, but that was an accident. And it's when he plays that one, he's got that kind of pickup shot over deep square leg. Remember him playing it in that that hundred he made against West Indies in the previous World Cup, for instance, um, or there might have been a South Africa game as well, where he goes over sort of backward, deep backward square leg, and he plays that one, gets almost all of it, and gets caught just inside the boundary, out for a nice 69. And and that's like it, that's the end of the partnership. But like you say, that's the thing that opens the possibility that either Phillips or Chapman, mm. the guys who can score at a strike rate of 140, 150, instead of 95 to 105, are the ones who could come in and finish that off, because that was the only way. I agreed with you at the time. I thought it was the only way it was going to happen. And they were lucky Latham got out second ball, honestly, because I don't know what he was doing coming in at that point in the order. I've got to say, I think it's, in hindsight, a big, big blunder that Jimmy Nation wasn't picked for Didn't this play. side towards the pointy end. He made 50 or 30-odd in the uh, in the game against Australia when they were chasing a similar tally to this. I think it was about 390, Jeff, possibly, something like yeah, that. Yeah, 389. And Nation's got that muscle memory of being able to go at a high strike rate. And I know Latham's been the acting captain. He's led the side more than more than Williamson has. but And I know he's the wicketkeeper. I know it's not perfect, but... Um, I would have found room for Nisham today. Chapman, they've got, they've had that Chapman or Nisham thing the whole way through because mm. they like the, the the adaptability Chapman has against spin, and he tried that. He was on hiding to nothing when he came in with about seven overs to go. Um, big slog sweep out to deep backward square leg, but there was a catcher in the rye, um, and he was out. So yeah, look, it, it 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 didn't come off for Chapman, but really it wasn't likely to and like you say New Zealand was so far behind the rate by that stage it, it was near on impossible even though Mitchell kept doing what he was doing and India bowled bloody well at that point as well so when when Phillips comes in yeah. and they have to go right that is when New Zealand have to go and in the end what they they got 16 or four the next four overs after those two wickets fell after Shami's second double strike of the game um, so yeah 16 in those four overs and it's only in the 41st over that they really start to get moving and take 20 off a Sirage over but even then there's so much left to do um, and Shami bowls really well defensively as well he comes around the wicket and starts hitting those Yorkers in at the heels bowls a couple of short balls that they can't lay bat on so there, there's just really clever defensive bowling and then there's that I, I know we we were not going to go into full chapter and verse but we are now because because this is what got interesting there's that period where it goes um cool deep boomer cool deep three overs and they just squeezed they just squeezed the mm. runs out um they, they, there was no scoring to be had um and and boomer gets that catch down the ground and uh, and that's really all she wrote at that point there's statistical uh, bookends on the day there's coley which yeah we'll come back to and then there's shammy finishing with a seven for uh, seven for 57 from 9.5 overs he knocked the top off and well, he knocked everything else off as well. He went through the bottom half of the list and picked up three very late to end with those figures. The first Indian to ever take seven wickets in a World Cup game. I think I said two or three games ago, Jeff, that Shami was en route to becoming a great of World Cup cricket. And, I mean, he's only bolstered that reputation this evening. Takes his World Cup wickets at 12.9 across 17 games. So a pretty big sample size now. Included his 50th World Cup wicket well earlier um, in the evening. Uh, and a strike rate, Jeff, that's what, in the low teens or something like that as well? 
no, he's got it under. He's gone underneath Corey Anderson. It's quite the task to get under Corey <laughs> Anderson, who was 15.5 with his strike rate, where he just Anderson just bowled a couple of overs all through that 2015 campaign and, and ended up yep. taking 14 wickets. But um, the way that 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 Muhammad Shami's done it, he's down to 15.3, so a wicket every 15.3 balls, and he's taken 54 of them, as you've said. He's bowled 138 mm-hmm. overs in World Cups. So nobody there are there are six seven players who are ahead of him on strike rate. Most of them took one wicket and bowled one or two overs, uh, and the only exception is Gary Gilmore, who bowled 24 overs. So there are no, he's Gilmore's the only real bowler, and he only played two games, you know, all the way back in 1975. Mm. So you're talking you know, genuinely the best of the best of anybody to have had more than a couple of games as an actual bowler at a World Cup in terms of the frequency with which he's taken wickets. And it was a technique today. It was, you know, I was getting a lift through town earlier today with a nervous driver who was like, oh, I'd worried about India today and I this is occasionally you get it right I said mate Muhammad Shami today he's he's gonna do it he ends up taking seven that perfect seam position that little bit of movement the way he nicks off Conway nicks off Ravindra um, and like you say those are the ones yeah. who had to do a lot for New Zealand tonight um, for the efforts of Mitchell and Williamson and so on after that to, to have any hope of getting towards 400. And a great catch from KL Rahul behind the sticks to, to get the first of those two, just kind of reinforcing how well that group is gelling, like, you know, fielding's often a barometer, isn't it? And their batting yep. group, again, to use that word, is is going so well. And the moment they won the toss this afternoon, Jeff, I mean, it was so much road on that toss to open up the game, potentially for New Zealand. We spoke about it on our preview show yesterday, but predictably they're off to a flyer they hit five sixes in the first seven overs or something like that Rohit Sharma hits top gear inside the first 15 or so balls Gill's mm-hmm. riding with him and going very nicely and it, it never felt like there was a scenario where they would make less than say 350 they actually only made 110 in the last 10 overs there, there is room for growth there when you see what South Africa they've been able to do consistently in the final 10 when batting in the day not batting at night so um, you know they probably should have ended up with 400 and something which um, speaks to just how methodical they are at the moment. And all batters, bar one, we might come back to in the Hall of Fame, are coming off at all times. I mean, they have peaked and then they found something more after peaking. It's a remarkable uh, tournament-long performance from those um, those batting superstars of Indian cricket who have so much pressure on them uh, but are so conditioned to having mm. to perform in those circumstances. I love the way that Rohit Sharma does it at the top. Like that's it is selfless the way he operates. And I've heard comments from people before saying, "Oh, he plays for hundreds and stuff." He's not playing for hundreds in this World Cup. He's playing to give his team an early boost and then let Coley sort of settle in after that and cruise. Forty-seven off twenty-nine today. He very deliberately, very specifically, he looked at two balls from Bolt, then he hit him for four. He looked at a couple from Southey, started whacking it like he, he hits so that six over mid-wicket um, he's he's racing along early and so at the point that he gets out it it is as per commentary of old against the run of play you know but, but he's he's the one who sets things off and gets things going um, maybe maybe we need to talk about the surface before we get on to the rest of the Indian Indies. If there's one thing that pitch did, it's provide runs. There were plenty of runs to be had. Nobody had any trouble making runs yeah. out there, even though it was a little difficult to tee off at the end when, when Phillips came in and towards the end of the Indian innings as well. Um, I would like to make a couple of observations on some reporting 
that happened earlier today about the pitches. One is we ended up in a lot of divergent chat about used pitches and new pitches. A used pitch is not necessarily bad, just as a new pitch is not necessarily good. Um, it's not a binary thing. You can have a pitch that's had three games on it that's in better condition than a pitch that's had one game on it. All of these things like that particular part of the equation doesn't matter that much and the reporting that was like oh, India wanted to change this pitch because they wanted their spinners to get more assistance on it, that's speculative and I don't think that's particularly useful. The thing that is true is that there was a pitch that was supposed to be used and it wasn't used because the local ground authorities and the BCCI decided it wasn't going to be and the guy who was supposed to be in charge of choosing the pitch was not consulted and was told that we are changing it to this pitch um, and that's borne out like that's in the ICC statement as well um, that they put out it mm. it sort of looks like that ICC statement is is being um, is is defending what happened but actually the way it finishes it says that the the ICC's independent uh, pitch overseer was informed of the changes it doesn't say that he approved the changes and that is the bit that's bullshit you can't be going around just arbitrarily making these decisions um, as the home body because it's an ICC tournament like there are rules in place for a reason and and there was reporting from local journalists as well so a lot of what people were complaining about was that this reporting was coming from English journalists that's terrible that can't happen there was reporting from from local journalists as well that um, directions had come from the Indian team camp to cut the grass on the pitch that they were using um, and to trim all that grass down again it's not a home test match you can't have the home team deciding what the conditions are going to be and yet totally shameless they just did it anyway i don't think it affected the result but i do think it shows a complete contempt from the bcci for every other team that plays cricket and every other team at this world cup yeah it's an emblem right it's an emblem of what this tournament is it's uh, a tournament where administratively at least it's the bccis and the iccs in, in name only um we've been saying this for months well before the tournament started and that statement, you know, we, we've taken the piss out of the ICC uh, comms team, not them directly, but some of the statements they've had to write about NFT sponsorships and all that other rubbish. <laughs> um, I felt sorry for whoever was drafting this one because every line was carefully curated to make sure that it didn't piss off uh, the, the organisation that's basically bankrolling cricket. Uh, and they know where their bread's buttered. And they would have mm. been furious uh, at what played out, uh, and, and rightly so. Um, it undermines the process that's meant to be independent. I've been at two test series in India and there have clearly been uh, to order pitches made, not least the one we saw at Nagpur this year where, you know, and that's fine. I mean, I don't get too precious about that because um, pitches in bilateral series are in the gift, at least at some level of the home board. Mm. I think we all broadly accept that. It's not perfect. It shouldn't be as crude as it is sometimes, we've always argued on this podcast there should be at least an attempt to create a competitive balance between bat and ball. And when that goes wrong, it can make for lesser test cricket. But in an ICC event, there, there's no room for that kind of subjectivity um, from the local curators right. and indeed the, the team or the organisation who are playing in the final today, even if it is being hosted by India. So, yeah, yep. it's had no effect on the game at all, but it deserves scrutiny and it's something that should be reflected upon. It won't be. Uh, this yeah. will change nothing, of course, because of the direction of travel in global cricket. But um, it would be remiss of us not to at least remark mm -hmm. upon it, even if the pitch itself had no bearing on the fortunes yeah. today. And the other side to this, of course, is that since when have India needed to do anything other than rock up to be the best team in this tournament? What yeah, surface they the ultimately bit. choose to play on? Um, 
you know, like it wouldn't have mattered if they played them in uh, at Roland Garros. It wouldn't have mattered had they played them on a slab of freeway. It wouldn't have mattered if they played them on the moon. India were always going to have this game tilted yeah. in their favour because they are a vastly better side than New Zealand. As we said yesterday, everything needed to go right for New Zealand to win. And this was yep. one variable that didn't need tweaking for that to still be the case. Yeah, that that was the part I actually found funny about the whole thing was you don't need like you don't need to be searching for the marginal gains at this point, guys. You're okay. Your team is much better. Mm. Your bowlers are much better. Your batters are much better. Um, your wicketkeeper is doing just fine. Everything everything is tilting <laughs> one way. Um, it you you don't need to do this. It was almost like just on principle because they sort of felt they could. Um, they did it anyway. I'm just I just pulled up the statement here, which which I think the the specific language is worth looking at. Uh, the change was made on the record recommendation of the venue curator in conjunction with our host. So that's the ICC saying that the local uh, grounds authorities decided that with the BCCI. And then they say the ICC's independent pitch consultant was apprised of the change and has no reason to believe the pitch won't play well. Well, the pitch did play well, and that was that's fine. Um, but yes, it, he was the independent person was told uh, rather than making the decision, which is the bit of bullshit in all of this. But anyway, yeah. that's where it left us, and it left us with India making a shitload of runs and then New Zealand making a shitload of runs. And it had to be Kohli. It had to be Mumbai. It had to be in front of Sachin. Mm. It had to be in front of the statue. It had to be the 50th uh, one-day international century, breaking that record at the same time as he goes past Sachin's record for the most runs in a World Cup as well. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure he would have gone past Ricky Ponting on the all-time World Cup runs list today day as well or he'd be very close to Ponting anyway um, with only Tendulkar ahead of him Coley and he just did it in that typical Coley style kind of cruised to a 50 up to the tempo for a bit there hit 24 in 14 balls at one stage and then settled into it again as he moved into the 80s got from 84 to 98 in singles and then hit a two to bring up his 100 and still did it in a quick enough time and, and had the platform that let Shreya Sire be more aggressive at the other end and, and make a more dynamic 100 off 70 balls and then Kale Rahul to smash a few late after Shubman Gill had retired hurt. And has there been any news through on that? Was it just cramps or was there, was there something else at play? I mean, Gill came out to bat in the final over. There's no, um, there's no injury beyond the fact that he was cramping up and that's been... A feature yeah. of batting in the afternoon at Mumbai for batters through the tournament where it's been a bit warmer. But like the way I saw the first innings, it reminded me a lot of the semi-final that England played at Edgbaston four years ago, which has been referred to as the perfect day. Like when India were batting, like it was almost a replica of what they did against the yeah. Dutch, except this isn't the side that's ranked bottom of the pile. This is a semi-final in a World Cup. They hit yeah. 19 sixes. You know, that's the most sixes they've ever hit in a World Cup before. Um, Coley goes on to break that record, as you say, Sachin Tendulkar sitting next to Jay Shah. Um, Coley bows to him, them, possibly them, uh, when, when that uh, milestone's raised. He speaks glowingly of Tendulkar in the middle uh, of the match as well. And that's what Coley's been so um, uh, so humble, I suppose, in a way about through the tournament mm. is showing deference to Tendulkar and what 49 and 50 ultimately meant to him. And yep. we've barely ever mentioned Shreya Sire. You know, he's hit a 67 baller or something like that today. I think it was 67 balls to raise three figures, back-to-back -back hundreds, only the third time that's happened for India in World Cup cricket. And because of what Kohli did, it liberated Shreyas. It meant that um, K.O. Rahul could pick up doing what he's done so well in the second half of the tournament and really put the foot down in the back 10. So Kohli is the glue. Kohli is in T20 speak the anchor, but it doesn't matter um, that he's going at a lower strike rate than the others because everyone around mm -hmm. him is batting at 120 and above. So Kohli going at a strike rate of like 95 to 100 
works perfectly fine so long as they're batting first. The difference will be if they're chasing, and of course he's one of the great chasers, if not the greatest chaser ever. I'm not diminishing what he does like that, but they've batted first now so many times in a row that it might require a gear shift. If, say, mm. South Africa walk out and make 370, then he won't be able to play in quite the same way because the, yeah. the, the the scoreboard pressure affects and the required, rate, requir- required run rate and, and all the rest yep. of it has more of an effect than it does when you're batting first. It's like I said on the preview show, the one thing India haven't done in this World Cup is chase a big score. Um, and if they had a 340 chase under their belt, then you would have seen how they went about doing that. But, yeah, Coley in those chases does have the ability to up the tempo significantly um, and does that in T20 cricket all the time. He just hasn't had to do it recently. Um, but it's 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 the consistency that is incredible to me, the way that he just rolls up and just keeps mm. churning out runs and big runs. He's made big half centuries. He could have had three other hundreds in this World Cup if things had gone slightly differently towards the back end of innings. Um, the couple of chases that, that he marshaled against you know, New Zealand and, and Bangladesh were done in an absolute stroll. And the like the fact that he went three years without a hundred and then he's just been cranking them out like this. He's up to 80 international tons. I remember looking at it when he was on about 20 international, 21 day centuries. That's when I thought he could get 50. He could he could break Tendulkar's record, and he's done it with, mm. you know, potentially years to spare. Him, fuck it, he might play another World Cup. You know, he might just say, oh well, I'll just go around for another four years. The, the way things are going at the moment, um, or he might just win this one and and decide it's the right time to bow out. I don't know, but but he's such a driven, competitive animal that. I don't know whether he could pull a pin if if he had the opportunity to keep going. Like I'm sure he's got. The idea of the 100 hundreds is now close enough that it's going to keep him going, I think, in all formats because he'll look at 50 over cricket as it's his perfect format. It's the one where he's most likely to be able to churn tons, ton after ton, um, and, and you know, mm. see if he can get another 10 of them, say, in the next two years and then top that up with whatever he can get in test cricket and push for the line. I reckon if the 100 hundreds wasn't there, he'd retire after this tournament, so long as they win on Sunday, and look, they will, um, barring anything wild yeah. from here. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what happens. Um, it's the perfect place to. No, it doesn't really at all. It, it, again, it's the same thing, isn't it? South Africa or Australia, we need to bat first. We'll do this all again in the final yeah. preview show. I don't want to sort of give away the surprise here, but there's only one way that either of those two teams can win as well. But you know, it's a statistically, it's an it's an enormous career. Like the way he's done it mm. um, so quickly, getting to that mark, compared to all of these greats of the game who've ended up at sort of between 20 and 40, I think is where Sangakara cuts out at. They've all batted in the top three as well. It's not unusual for a player who bats in the top three in a lot of one-day internationals to make a lot of centuries. Mm. But to get to 50 in 280 knocks or whatever it is, it's ridiculous. And it looks like every innings he plays simply starts from the the previous one. There's no adjustment period. He's Mm. He's in such a groove at the moment. And, you know, the only thing missing today was... I know, Jeff, a decade ago when Sachin played his final test match on this ground, there was meant to be the rose petal drop and all the rest of it. Yep. That's the one thing that I was hoping would happen today, some some uh, <laughs> grand gesture when he reached three figures, which seemed inevitable from the moment he walked down those famous stairs. And um, other than the fact that, um, that that it was Tendulkar sitting next to Jay Shah and David Beckham, I think sitting with his wife, wasn't it? Um, we mm. might talk about Bex again in the Hall of Fame. Uh, other than all of that, um, it, it, he was allowed to kind of get on with it, complete his innings, and, and say some nice things um, after the uh, after the completion of the first innings. Well, that seems like a good time to go to the final word, Hall of Fame. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Hall of Fame, where we pick our most final word moments of the day. It's brought to you, Adam, by Westfield, London and Westfield, Stratford City. Uh, we got two sets of copy today, one for a New Zealand win, one for an India win. Uh, safe to say we th- thought it much more likely we'd be reading the India one, and here we are. Yes, yeah, I, I thought if New Zealand were to win, I would have read the Indian one anyway, just to mix things up. But no, uh, look, there's no place like home, Jeff. And if you want to adapt the conditions in your home to be exactly what you want, then there's no better place to do that than the home quarter at Westfield, London. Whether you're looking for new crockery and furnishings or you're happy to continue to use things you've used previously and want to tart it up for the festive season, such an Australian term, isn't it? Tart it up. Um, (laughs) There are enough options to fill every empty seat in Modi Stadium. At Snug, Europe's first sofa in a box company, sofa in a box, breading in a box, you'll find Mm. stylish Scandi couches that you can put together in less time than it takes to fix a broken helmet strap. I like the way that Snug thinks. Or if today's game has given you a hankering for some home cooking, you'll find everything you need to prepare the finest festive feast this Mm. side of Bob Cratchit's house at Pro Cook at the newly opened Karacha. Bloody hell, that is good stuff. I've been meaning, I've been intentionally not reading these till as live from Sheehan at Westfield that sends these through, and he's mm-hmm. he's gotten progressively better through the tournament. Um, where else would you want to be ahead of Christmas in the home quarter at Westfield London or Westfield Stratford City? More extra less ordinary. Jeff, any further thoughts before we move into the Hall of Fame? Well, I, I want to go straight into the Hall of Fame because I've got to start with a couple of bits of fielding um, and I'm sure you noted at least one of these as well. Um, Jasper Boomer throwing down the stumps that had already been thrown down, the throw coming in from the deep at long on oh, when Glenn good. Phillips yeah. is firmly in, hits the stumps, ricochets off, they go for an overthrow. Boomer, the bowler who's standing next to the stumps and has watched it happen, runs away, picks up the ball, turns around and pings the stumps down. Only problem is the bales have already been knocked off. <laughs> <laughs> throw it to the other end or run in and do the spear thing and pull it out. It was a it great out. throw. It was a good throw. He hit him. Definitely hit him. It was a him. brilliant throw from Boomer. I mean, the turn and throw thing, I know it's just like it's like training for him in a situation like that, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I did enjoy that. What's your other fielding bit? The the bit where Kyle Rahul said no to Rohit Sharma for the court behind review. Williamson sweeps, goes mm. off the forearm. Rohit is up. Going up, he's at sleep. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's filthy. It's not given. He says, we're going upstairs and Kyle's like, oi. Dickhead. It hit his arm. He's pointing to the elbow. He's like, arm. And Rowett looks really mad. And Kale's like, no. Like, you've got to have some confidence, especially for a guy who's been in and out of the side a bit, to say to the captain, settle down, pipe down. You're doing the thing you tell us not to do. Stay calm. No review. And there is its elbow. He's correct. He's vindicated lovely work behind the stumps. I like it, especially when we know how volatile the Indian public is around KL Rahul. He gets that wrong and, mm. you know, we, we, well, we saw what happened, what was, what's happened to KL Rahul at different points through his career. I still can't believe he's so unpopular in some quarters. That's a conversation for another day. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was thinking as the game started, Jeff, today what the over-under is on how many shots of David Beckham in the crowd with Coley batting and mm. with India batting full stop. They must have cut to him 30 times and that's yep. fine. I mean, I get that 
we had this thing in cricket that we always feel a little bit inferior to the football codes, mm-hmm. whatever they are. And David Beckham being oh. such a global icon and, and such so a great insecure. of the game and being in Mumbai at the time and knowing Coley personally and being out there before play started today and all the rest of that. But boy, oh boy, did the director give Beck some airtime. I loved it mm-hmm. in a way, but on the other hand, I mean, you know, it kind of does uh, bolster that idea that we as a sport, and I don't know why this yep. is, feel inferior to other games. Deeply insecure. Imagine if you were at a Wembley Cup final and Neil Fairbrother was in the crowd. You know, how many times do you reckon they're going to cut on the coverage to, to highlight that fact? It's not going to happen that way. Um, I've got Kane Williamson's running. What What is going on with this guy? Twice today, he's just dawdling dawdling the bat in, bit of MS Dhoni 2015, kind of, oh, yeah, I could slide the bat, but I can't really be bothered stretching. Um, got in by about an inch on one occasion, um, and then the other time should have been out, except Kale Rahul praised mm. before, stuffed it up and hit the stumps with his glove first. Williamson would have been gone. Sort your running out, Kane. Sort it out. You've got things to do. Oh, I've got a couple of New Zealand bits as well. Uh, the first one is that bless New Zealand. I mean, seriously, bless them. Um, they were getting clouted today, right? Like, mm-hmm. if ever there was a day where they were justifiably 15, 20 minutes late on their overs, this was it in the heat. They were still one over in the black when they finished their 50 overs. They got through their 50 yep. ahead of time, which I think is a very good boy New Zealand thing to do. And when they get Shreyas Iyer in the 49th over for a million, right? You know, he's made 100 plus in no time, but always beaten them up. Um, the cricket ground DJ saw fit to play Dave Dobbin, Slice of Heaven. I wonder mm-hmm. if that brought up their spirits when chasing <laughs> white leather for the whole afternoon. Oh, how many times must they have heard that? Um, the bit in the post-match after the first innings, the TV interview, where, where the questioning was all in the third person. How does Virat Kohli feel yeah. is the question posed to Virat Kohli. How does Virat Kohli feel? I couldn't and believe then, that. How does Virat Kohli keep the consistency going? Two in a row. I couldn't. I, I mean, that's obviously been decided by the presenter. Uh, and her producer, right? Like that doesn't happen. That's not something that happens by accident, right? Like, you know, if you're interviewing <laughs> someone, she, she's made her mind up to ask two questions in the third. I couldn't believe that. Another yeah. commentary thing when Sinil Gavaskar, um, when uh, when Treyas raced his 167 balls and he goes, well, and he faced a maiden. He faced a maiden. I mean, had he not faced a maiden, he would have got there in, in 60 balls. Sonny, you've been doing this for a really long time. You know how many balls are in an over, mate? You know there are six balls in an over, not seven. Sometimes. Depends if there's a no ball. Um, And then my last one is I was watching the game in a a bar here and there was one of those English guys in the bar who who likes to let everyone know that he knows a lot about cricket. So he was always he was explaining loudly everything that happened. Mm. So, yeah, he should have run in and pulled out the stump and hold the ball next to the stump. That's what you do when the bales are off, that kind of thing, right? Every single ball that went in the air... For the entire night, in the second innings, that Daryl Mitchell or someone hit a big one, he'd go, oh, that's out, that's out, that's out, and then it would land safely somewhere and roll over the rope for four. Must have happened about 17 times until the last ball of Daryl Mitchell's innings, clobbers it, and he goes, oh, that's gone for six, and then it's caught on the rope. That's out. That was good. Beautiful. Beautiful. I hope he's had a. I hope he's having a shit time. Uh, Jeff, uh, we clearly didn't. He enjoyed himself at the pub. Uh, that's it for us today, at least. Uh, you're, you're, where are you? You're in, you're at Eden Gardens tomorrow for Australia playing South Africa, the second semi-final. Um, South yeah. Africa with all the weight of history and all the rest of it. Australia coming into form at the right time. The winner will play at Ahmedabad we'll lose on Sunday in against the might of Sunday. India. <laughs> they will, they will, they will lose. So they'll be, they'll get a runners-up medallion at about mm-hmm. seven o'clock on, well, about nine o'clock on Sunday evening, um, unless they get Maxwell or or, or Klassen or Millard. They're the three players I reckon who can mm. change the fate of this World Cup. 
I don't think yep. there's anyone else of the 22 left. It's got to be Miller, Klaassen, Maxwell. That's it. That's my parting thought for you, Jeff. My parting thought is going to be that India's bowlers got attacked today and went for over 300, um, and Siraj went around a bit, and yep. everybody else went at about six and over or less. <laughs> like, even when they got clobbered, they still bowled really tidily. You can't get them. You can't get them. <laughs> That's all for another conversation. That's the end for this evening. Thanks for listening. We're here for Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City. More extra, less ordinary. India, they're extraordinary. Sorry if I ran into empty this, so you know what I meant. I had to go about it.